Well, all right, new beginnings, a new beginning, a fresh start, those require more than just adjusting some minor details about our life. It requires more than just kind of tweaking things around the edges. If we want a real fresh start or new beginning that is sustained, that leads to lasting change in our lives, uh, we need to do some work on kind of an internal level and, and get some, some of the big things in life in order and, and adjusted and moving in the right direction. So we've been talking about that over the past couple of weeks. We've talked about having a new heart, that kind of center that everything flows out of. And, and Jesus wants to give you a new heart. He wants to transform your life, not to just kind of clean you up and make you a better version of who you used to be, but make you a brand new person, that he wants to, uh, man, give you a new mind, that we can't have a new beginning if our thoughts are still where they used to be, because they'll drag us back into how things used to be. And so we want to renew our minds, we want to change our inputs, and one of the primary inputs we need is to meditate on scripture. Uh, so that's where we've been. But today, we're talking about having a new focus, a new uh, focus. And focus, you know, that idea of uh, where are my eyes locked in at? You know, what, what, am I, what am I focused on? You know, where am I staying locked in? Even when life gets crazy and things get a little bit nutty, you know, my eyes are on the prize. Like, what is that focus um, in every area, every area of life, every direction we move in, to have a focus that keeps us moving uh, towards the end goal? And, and we're going to uh, talk about that idea today, and, and I'm going to kind of suggest that we receive new focus when we begin looking to God in prayer looking to God in prayer. Now, I know when I said prayer, it may make you a little bit uneasy or uncomfortable or a little bit, ah, I'm not so sure how I feel about that because it can be kind of a, an intimidating thing or uh, an unsettling thing depending on, on who you are. You may have a, a mixed bag of emotions. Maybe you're like, I don't really know how to pray. I, I feel stupid whenever I'm praying. I don't know what to say and you know, it needs to be really formal. Or So maybe you kind of fall into that camp and you're just like, I don't even know how to do this or, or where to do it. Maybe you feel a little bit guilty because you're like, well, I'm like a Christian and I think I should pray, but I don't ever actually do it. Uh, maybe you're someone who would say, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I don't think prayer works, so I just, I just don't do it. You know? And all of that like, is legitimate. There's, there's reasons why we think the things that we think. But um, I, I want to kind of ask that we set all that aside for a moment um, and get into the essentials of, well, what is prayer really? What is it really? Like, yeah, what, what is the purpose of it? And, and how do we do that? Because I think a lot of the issues we have with prayer come from a misunderstanding of what the purpose of prayer is is. We have these false expectations that kind of set us up to fail from the beginning. And so I want to set all that aside, look at some prayer essentials, uh, and, and look at the idea of how that gives us a new focus in life. Um, so to do that, we are going to be um, looking at something called the Lord's Prayer and a, a couple of verses that are also around it. Um, it's found both in Matthew and Luke. They have slightly different accounts, um, but they, they communicate mostly the same things. We're going to look at Luke real quick to set us up, and then we're going to be in Matthew's account uh, looking at what's called the Lord's Prayer. So here we go. Diving in. First thing we're going to look at is Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. We read that one day uh, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so there's something happening that Jesus' disciples, after hearing him pray and seeing him pray, um, this would have been on multiple occasions, but after observing Jesus pray and his posture and heart in prayer and the way that he connected to God the Father, there's something that the, the disciples see that they realize, it's like we're, we're missing it. We're not quite getting it. We're not connecting to God on the level that Jesus is. And so they, they make this request. Jesus, teach us to pray. Because we've been missing something, which was kind of crazy because uh, the disciples would have been praying their entire lives. 
Um, you know, the, the original disciples, the first disciples, they were all Jewish. Uh, so they would have been very familiar with prayer. They would have grown up praying different prayers. They would have been brought up um, praying through a lot of the Psalms, for example. They would have been praying through different uh, Old Testament passages. Uh, one of the, the, the common ones would have been what's called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, the Jewish people would pray every single day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, all your strength. Like, like that. They would have prayed that every single day. And so they were used to, to that kind of prayer. They've been taught to pray by their families. They've been taught to pray by their religious leaders in the temple and in the synagogues. And so they would have had these kind of recited normal prayers that they prayed every day, that they had done all their lives. And that was good. I mean, there was nothing wrong with that. In fact, that was a beautiful thing. Jesus himself would have actually prayed those prayers. He grew up uh, as, a, as a Jewish boy, a Jewish man. He would have prayed these recited prayers. He would have said the Shema. And yet, there was something different about the way that Jesus prayed that the disciples took notice of. And so they say, okay, you've got to teach us how to pray like that because we, like, we're, we're missing it. We're missing it. And so Jesus is about to do that. And in doing so, um, he kind of he schools them on prayer. He's going to school us as well, which is a good thing uh, because we need um, a bit of a re-education um, as it relates to prayer. We need to unlearn some things and relearn some things as it relates to prayer because if we're honest, I don't know that we can really say that our approach to prayer works, however you kind of define works. I mean, we, we talked about it just a couple minutes ago. Like, we don't oftentimes like doing it. We feel like we don't know how to do it or why we should. Uh, so many times it's like, I pray and I don't get what I wanted or I don't get what I asked for. You know, it's like, hey, I, I prayed. I really needed a, a better job or a new job and I prayed and prayed and prayed and I didn't, I didn't get the job. Or, you know, someone that I loved was sick and I prayed and prayed and prayed and they didn't get better. Um, or, you know, I was, I, there was just some relational, like, damage, and I prayed and prayed and prayed for the relationship to be restored, and it wasn't. Um, and so maybe you're in a boat where that was you, and you, so you just decided, you know what? Prayer doesn't work, and so why even bother? Why even, um, why even bother with it? And I get that. I really do. But again, maybe we've misunderstood what the point of prayer is, what the point of prayer is. And so, before Jesus teaches us what prayer is, he's going to teach us what it's not. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, we read this. He says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So you've you got to love Jesus for this. and this, this comes up all the time, where he really has no tolerance for um, the, the, the religious hypocrites, the religious pretenders, the people who act like they have it all together and they're better than everyone else. And he says, you know, when they pray, they like to make a big public spectacle out of it. You know, they, they, they like to make a big to-do about it where everyone sees it. But that's not really um, what God is honored by in prayer. That's not really what prayer is all about. He says they've actually already received their reward. It's interesting because Jesus points to this idea that there is a reward with prayer. There's something that happens. There's a result. There's an effect um, that, that comes along with it. And he says for these you know, kind of hypocrites, these re like uber-religious people that love to just make these big, loud, elaborate prayers, he says their reward is that they've been seen by people. They got the applause of people that kind of like, oh my goodness, you sound so awesome and you sound so holy and you must have such a great relationship with God because you sound so amazing when you pray. 
And Jesus is like, no, no, they, they've already received their reward. Their reward was, you know, that round of applause. He's like, I don't want you to be like them. He says, but, but when you pray, so there's gonna be this contrast. He's like, here's what not to do, but let's talk about what you should do. He says, but when you pray, and first of all, that, this, is, this is important because this is an assumption that Jesus makes about his followers, about people who claim to be people of faith. He's assuming that we will be people who pray. It's not like, hey, if you pray, it's not really optional that if you're a Christian or a follower of Jesus, prayer is a part of that journey. And so what he's about to get into is not like if you're going to pray, but when you pray. So when do you pray? How and why and where? Like what are the motivations behind it? What's the heart behind it? He says, when you pray, go into your private room. Shut your door. Pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So I want you, when you pray, to go into your private room. Because again, this is in contrast to a group of people he's talking about that made a big public religious spectacle out of prayer. He says, don't be like that. I want you to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. I want you to go into your private room. I want you to go into a place that's kind of like a dedicated space just for prayer. And so let me ask, do we do this? Like when and where do you pray? Is it just, you know, a quick prayer in the car on the way to work in the morning? Um, is it just before a meal every now and then? Is it just before bed? Is it just corporately when we gather as a church? And, and don't get me wrong, those are all good. And I think we should do those. I think those are great things to do. But what Jesus is getting at is that there's got to be something more than that. That, that there is a kind of prayer, a posture in, in prayer, a type of prayer where you, he says, you go into a private room, this idea of you get alone with God in an uninterrupted, isolated, um, intentional kind of way where your focus can be entirely on your heavenly Father because there's something relational that happens. Uh, the, the word to get into a place where we can have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God where we can be kind of gut level honest, where we can pour out our heart, where my entire focus can be, okay, God, my focus is on you right now in this moment. He says, go into your private room, and then there, you'll, be, you'll be rewarded for that. He says, like, the, the reward for the, the kind of the religious, the hypocrite, the reward was they were seen by people. But the reward for the kind of um, the right posture in prayer, the reward is you're seen by God. He sees you. He hears you. He's with you. So, so, so don't be like that, but instead make, don't be like them where it's a public thing, where it's all this big to do, but instead go into your private room and find time and space to connect with God. It's not about this public religious spectacle. And then he gives us a second thing of what not to do. He says, and when you pray, don't babble. Don't babble on like the Gentiles. So those were just all the non-Jewish people uh, in the surrounding areas. He says, don't babble on like the Gentiles, since they imagine that they'll be heard for their many words. He says, uh, he's like, here's, here's another thing that prayer is not about. He's like, it's not about like some eloquent speech. You know, it's not about a repetition or pattern of words. There are no magic words to prayer. You don't have to pray in King James English, okay? Um, you don't even need to tack in Jesus' name, onto the end of every prayer. It's not a magic wand that you wave over things. He's like, no, 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 don't just babble on or think your prayer's gotta be really, really long and elaborate. That's not what prayer's about. And he says, don't be like them, like the Gentiles who babble on, because 
Your father knows the things you need before you ask him. That, that, that's an incredible thing to think about. He's like, listen, you don't need to go like drone on and on and on and give this whole entire list of everything that's going on in your life because God already knows. He knows what you need before you ask him. Now, that idea really pulls the rug out from underneath of why most of us pray in the first place. Most of the time we end up praying because we want stuff, right? We, we pray because like there's a list of things we want, but if God already knows what we need before we even ask him, then why bother asking? Have you ever asked that before? I have. I know a lot of us have. Like, okay, God knows everything. He knows what's in my brain before I actually say it. So why do I need to pray? Why do I need to ask him for things? See, now we're being confronted with this, this kind of tension, this kind of issue that most of us have misunderstood prayer. Most of us have uh, reduced prayer to just informing God of what I want or what I need or what I desire or what somebody else wants or needs or desires. But there's more to it than that. Jesus says, look, it's not about that. God already knows what you need. And so now he's about to give us a different way forward. And he says, therefore, you should pray like this. Anytime you bump into the word therefore in scripture, um, it's kind of like this, uh, the, this, this flashing light going off that says, hey, this is what, whatever is about to be said next is in light of what was just said. And so in light of everything that Jesus just said, prayer is not a public religious spectacle. Um, he says it's, it's not like about long words or like you know, magical words. He's like, it's not about just getting stuff. It's not any of that. Therefore, here's what it is actually about. Here is the point in the purpose of prayer. Let me show you, let me tell you how to, prayer, to pray. And so Jesus says, here's how you do it. You start like this. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven in heaven. Now, when Jesus says our father, he's not wanting us to think, oh, God must be, you know, a man or, you know, the man with the beard, you know, old guy upstairs. That's not the idea. Uh, in fact, there, there are times in scripture where God has given both uh, masculine and feminine attributes that male and female are both made in the image of God. So it's not just the idea of like, well, God's a man. That's not it. In fact, uh, God's not male or female. Jesus teaches that God is spirit. But Jesus says our father. Address him as our father, not, not, not as spirit, not as the divine, um, uh, you know, not as you know, judge or ruler or king. Even though all of those things are true, he says when you pray, you come to him with the posture of our father. Because there's something relational that is happening. There's something personal that is happening. There's something uh, about prayer that, that Jesus is communicating. That it's not meant to be formulaic, that it's meant to be relational. In fact, even the, the word that's used for father, it doesn't come off as cold as it does in our English because we don't really address people as father. You know, if you're having a conversation with your dad, you're like, hey dad. <laughs> and that's actually the word that Jesus uses, Abba, is, is more that idea, that familial, hey dad. It'd be like in, in our, our, our kind of our lingo of like sending a text or having a phone call saying, hey dad, can we get together and talk? Hey, hey dad, you want to grab lunch and catch up? And so it's this, this, this amazing idea of Jesus saying, like, the posture that you have is a posture of a conversation with someone who you know and they know you. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. So it says, our Father in heaven. And then he says, your name be honored as holy. Or some translations say, holy is your name or hallowed is your name. It all means the same thing. It, it's this idea of, of stopping to pause and acknowledge who exactly I'm talking to. 
Like, who exactly am I, am I in a conversation with? Who am I praying to? Like, yes, Jesus invites you to address him as Father, which is incredible. It's personal and relational, and, but the one that you're being invited to address in this personal and relational way is the God of the universe, uh, that, that he is the almighty, all-powerful, perfect creator and sustainer of all God of the universe. He says, you, you pause and recognize for a minute that you, God, you are holy. That means you are completely set apart. Everything about you and your love and your justice and your mercy, and your passion, your compassion and your power and your strength, like, like none compared to you. God, you are so far above and beyond anything I can possibly wrap my mind around. You are holy. Hallowed, holy is your name. That we, when we come to God, we recognize this is a relational thing, but we also stop and recognize the grandeur and the power and the majesty and the holiness of God. Because it's, listen, it's in doing that, when we pause and reflect on who God is, we get a better understanding of who we are. We get a better understanding of kind of how we fit into the world. And this is one of the reasons why I want to encourage you to, to, to not just pray like on the go, but to set, a time, uh, set apart some time and space to do this. Because it's really hard to pause and reflect and get a picture on the, of the holiness of God before I walk into the office real quick because I'm saying a prayer, or before a meal real quick, or in bed at night as I'm, I'm desperately trying not to fall asleep. It's hard to actually stop and wrap my mind around that unless I set time aside to go, you know what, in this moment, in this place, I want to focus on my heavenly father who is holy, who is holy. And if we rush past this part of holy is your name, if we rush past that part, we'll be tempted to kind of brush past or even resist the part that comes right after this. And the part that comes right after this, what Jesus is about to say is actually the purpose of prayer. It is the primary purpose of prayer. The reason that we pray is what Jesus is about to say next. And it is the thing that has the potential to bring the rest of our lives into focus. So he says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I've, I've paused to reflect on who you are, and that's helped to see, for me to see in the proper light who I am and how I fit in this world. And now I just want to stop and say, before I say anything else, God, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. That this, that this world, that my life, that everything, God, it's about you. It's not about me. It's about your kingdom. It's not about my kingdom. It's about your will. It's not about my will. And so God, I want your will to be done in my life. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask for some things, but, but let me just recognize from right off the beginning that no matter what, I want, I want your will in my, in my relationships, not mine. I want your will in my career, not mine. I want your will and, uh, it, it, to, to deal with like my physical possessions and my finances, not mine. I want your will and how I treat other people and see other people, not mine. Your will be done. God, your kingdom, your will. And we push back against that. Like we're like, yeah, but what about my stuff? What about what I want? Basically what we're saying is, well, what about my kingdom? 
and my will. Because that's usually what we boil prayer down to. It's my kingdom, it's my will. God, it's my, my, what about my family and my job and my health and my finances and my education and my marriage and my happiness and my fulfillment? Like, I want to pray for all of those things. And we resist your kingdom come and your will be done here in verse 10. And how quickly we forget what Jesus has just said in verse 8. Your father already knows what you need before you even ask him. He already knows what you need. You you don't need to come with this whole big list of all the things that you need. That's not your primary focus in prayer. Because he already knows all of that. Your primary focus in prayer is to come to this posture of God no matter what happens, no matter how things play out. What I want is for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life. He knows what you need before you ask. And so Jesus is like, listen, make your focus God's kingdom. Make your focus his will. Seek him first. These other things will be taken care of. You will have what you need. It may not always be what you want, but you'll have what you need. You'll have what you need. He knows what you need, so you don't need to focus on that. You focus on his kingdom come, his will be done. And this is actually, not only does Jesus teach this, he models this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus would be arrested, uh, that he would be um, beaten, that he would be crucified, right before he's about to experience the most excruciating pain and torture and death that we can imagine as he bears the, the weight of every bit of sin and evil that the world has ever seen. Before that, he prays, he cries out, he says, Father, if there is any other way, if there is any other way, take this from me. If there's a way for, 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 for sin to be forgiven and for things to be set right, if there's a way for that to happen to where I don't have to go through the cross, take it from me. But then he says, but not my will, but yours be done. See, that's the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will to God. It's not to impose our will on God. The purpose of prayer, the reason why, well, what's the point of praying if God even already knows what we need? Well, it's not about getting what we need. The, the purpose of prayer is about us coming to a place where we say, God, I'm surrendering my will to you. I'm surrendering my will to God, not trying to impose my will on God. And so when we come to God in prayer, it's this, this posture of, God, before I ask for anything, before I say anything else, I just want to be in this place of your kingdom come and your will be done. And then once we're past that, once, once we get that, once we're focused on that, God, your will, of course we can ask for things. I mean, we're, actually, we're instructed to. We're, we're told to present our requests before God. But the difference is when our, our primary focus is, God, your kingdom and your will, that actually changes the things that we ask for. It changes how we ask. It gives us a new focus. But we're still invited to ask. In fact, that's kind of how the Lord's Prayer, it, it, he continues on. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then he says, give us today our daily bread. Absolutely, ask God for what you need, but ask it from this posture of God. You you already know what I need. I trust that you know what I need. God, meet my needs. Be my provider. I trust that you will. Provide for my physical needs, my relational needs, my spiritual needs, my emotional needs, like every need that I have. Lord, I trust that you know it, that you see it. And so provide, I trust that you will provide for me today what I need today. We'll worry about tomorrow when we get there because I trust that you'll provide tomorrow what I need tomorrow. Give us today our daily bread. And he says, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. But there's a part of prayer that is this recognition of I need forgiveness. There's a recognition of every day 
I absolutely blow it at being a human being, that I, I fail miserably at how I'm actually supposed to live and be in the world. But the interesting thing is that, that really, that recognition only comes, again, with the parts of the prayer that come before this, that I have to have a recognition, I have to stop and pause on who God is and who I am in light of that to realize, oh man, I'm messed up. That, that I need to come to this place of praying, God, your kingdom and your will. And then it makes me realize how often do I make it about my kingdom and my will. And so I'm like, man, God, for, forgive me. Forgive me for that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he says, in closing, he says, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one. That so often that, you know, sometimes we, we pray prayers of protection, and that's a good thing to pray. Like, this is an idea of, hey, protect me from, from the real danger out there. The, the, the real danger that, that this whole thing, God, it's about your kingdom coming, but there's a recognition here that there's also a counter kingdom. There's a recognition that there is a kingdom of darkness. And that every day as, as followers of Jesus, as we go about our lives, as we engage the world around us, we are constantly bumping up against that kingdom of darkness. That it is, it is trying to wage war and battle against us. And so there's this prayer of God, deliver me from that. Equip me for the day ahead of me. Don't lead me in, into temptation. Don't, lead, don't let me stray into the ways of, of, this counter, of, of this counter kingdom to your kingdom, but deliver me from the evil one. It's all flowing out of this posture of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so when the disciples ask Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. And as we come to him with the same kind of posture, okay, Jesus, just teach us how to pray. Just show us how to do this. There's this idea of Jesus saying, listen, well, it's, it's not about a public spectacle. It's not about this, this big religious thing that you just do in front of people or you just do at church. It's not about magic words that you say or formulas or rituals or being super long-winded in your prayers. It's not about just listing off to God all the things that you want. That ultimately prayer, the purpose of prayer is about bringing myself into alignment with God. It's about bringing myself into this posture and into this place of your kingdom come and your will be done. And when we come to God in prayer, with that kind of a posture. We come to God in prayer with that kind of a focus. Things about our life and things in our lives really do begin to change. Because when we come to prayer, again, with that posture and that focus of your kingdom come, your will be done, it changes how we see life. It changes the things that we want. It changes the things that we desire. It changes how we approach everything about life because now my, my focus and my approach is, is, is a kingdom focus. It's will of God focused. And so we have that focus in prayer of God, your kingdom come, your will be done. It changes how we see things. And so that changes everything. But also that kind of a prayer is a prayer that God honors. It's a prayer that God answers. When we have that heartfelt posture of God, your kingdom come, God, your will be done, God answers that prayer and things begin to change in our lives.